Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And good evening and welcome to another edition of Tiger Tailgate along with T-Bob Bear. I'm Deke Bellavia. Coming up in just a second, I'm going to get you caught up on some surprising scores. Looks like it's going to be another shakeup in the top 10 this week. Also, we were going to visit with Jeff Palermo, columnist at WWL.com and Louisiana Network Sports Director to get his take on LSU and Mississippi State. We're looking to the numbers more, what State has done. And of all the years, great play of Dak Prescott at quarterback last week. Young Nick Fitzgerald set a school record for rushing for 173 yards yep. in the contest over South Carolina. Mississippi State comes in 1-1, one 1-0 and one, one and oh in conference play. But before we move further, let's point you out to our Paredes Jaguar opinion poll at www.com. Does the LSU Tigers look like a team that is getting ready to start improving, or do you think the Tigers are in trouble? Vote online at WWL.com. Now let's get you caught up with our first look at afternoon scores. And right now with 1230 12 minutes and 30 seconds left to play in the contest. Number 10, Louisville, 63. Number 2, Florida State, 10. And it's not even that close. This is a whitewashing. And they're going to get the ball now. Louisville's just recovered a fumble at the at the Florida State 19-yard line. They're going to get – they're going to have to stop. Are they going to put 70? Well, yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're going to have to keep from putting 70 on the board here unless they kneel on it. And I don't see Bobby Petrino doing that. They have dominated this game from start to finish. Number 15, Tennessee, the week before they take on Florida, they lead Ohio in Neyland Stadium in Rocky Top 28-19 early in the fourth. Number 25, Mark Rick, Miami, Miami Hurricanes are going to improve to 3-0. and They lead Appalachian State 45-10 late in the fourth. Not that this is a big upset because people who follow college football know the four-time Division I AA champions, FCS division, North Dakota State Bison beats 13th-ranked Iowa 23-21. T-Bob, is that six straight, I believe, now? Yeah, so I just read uh, That's amazing. Tweet. That's six straight against Division I teams. Also, Deke, in kind of classic Kirk Ferentz fashion, uh, this comes on the heels of a 10-year, $50 million extension yep. for Coach, Coach Friend. No doubt about it. Wisconsin, they come back and beat Georgia State 23-17. to Next week, they open up Big Ten play against Michigan State. Clemson gets off to snide. A big day from Deshaun Watson. Three touchdowns as number five Clemson, 59-0 over South Carolina State. Later on, it's number one Alabama at number 19 Ole Miss. And, of course, rest of the top matchups have Oregon, 22 at Nebraska. Number 17, Texas A&M visits Auburn, Mississippi State is at number 20, LSU. North Texas is at 23, Florida. Number 12, Michigan State is at number 18, Notre Dame. 24th ranked Arkansas entertains Texas State. 16th ranked Georgia is at Missouri. Tonight, the ABC Game of the Week has Ohio State at number 14, Oklahoma. Portland State is at number 8, Washington. And USC is at number 7, Stanford. Texas is at California. More scores here looking at T-Bob. We'll dig a little deeper into the SEC right now in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, they always had the SEC toward the bottom when you scroll in the thing. It should be toward the top. <laughs> Georgia Tech all over Vanderbilt in the anymore. fourth, 38-7. And uh, later tonight, it's East Carolina at South Carolina, New Mexico State at Kentucky. And rounding out, those are the matchups rounding out the conference. Only two teams in action right now in the SEC. Tennessee 28-19 over Ohio and Georgia Tech 38-7 over Vanderbilt. 
T-Bob, A-Bear, I'm Deke Bellavia. T-Bob, the Mississippi State Bulldogs coming to this matchup yeah. today at 1-1. One one. Have not given up a point in the first half of play in their first two games. South Alabama got all their points in the second half in a 21-20 upset win over the Bulldogs. And last week, uh, that was South Carolina got all of their 14 points in the second half after the uh, Bulldogs jumped out to a 24-0 first half lead yeah. and then went on to win 27-14. Nick Fitzgerald was kind of in a battle with Roman star, former Roman star Damian Williams. He set a school record last week, 195 yards on 17 carries and recorded for 373 all-purpose yards and was pretty sharp throwing the ball T by 19 of 29. So Nick Fitzgerald, as uh, other teams try to get settled at quarterback and LSU tries to get settled at quarterback, it looks like State comes in with Nick Fitzgerald as they may. So uh, where, where this all becomes very interesting, Deke, is that these are two teams that a couple of weeks ago, in terms of expectations, uh, the gulf between them was was massive, completely opposite sides of the coin. However, despite that, they've had very similar story arcs thus far in the year, right? They open up with an unexpected, very disappointing loss. Of course, in Mississippi State, it was South Alabama for LSU. It was to Wisconsin. And then they both kind of, they, they had kind of a get-right game, or they had a game that looked better in which a quarterback change took place. Like you mentioned, for Mississippi State, it was Nick Fitzgerald for LSU. It was Danny Etling. So now both teams come into this game knowing that this is the most critical thus far. Uh, if you're going to be competitive in the West, you have to win this match. You just cannot afford to lose these conference games. And they both entered this games with uh, quarterback questions. Is Nick Fitzgerald, is he as good as the numbers that he put up last week, which were astounding? Then again, uh, I think South is – or no, that was South Carolina State. Who does South Carolina have today, D? South Carolina today, they have uh, – let's see who the Gamecocks have, t I got the SEC. But they're not, they're not losing yeah, not right now. I, I, either no. way, that's, that's an I unimpressive – I want to say that they're off today. Okay, that's an unimpressive no, South they actually, Carolina. No, they, they, they're in trouble. They're taking on East Carolina, who's pretty good today. So that's an unimpressive South Carolina team. Right. So you, so you don't really know what you have in Nick Fitzgerald, just like – after that Jacksonville State game, LSU fans don't really know what you no. have in Danny Etling. So two teams, vastly different expectations, incredibly similar storylines, and today is going to be one of those separating points. If you're going to divide the SEC West into tier lists, today is where that starts to take place. And uh, look, I, I on paper, the Tigers, um, they, they are objectively speaking much better. You will see min, many more of the players on LSU's roster end up playing on Sundays than that of Mississippi State's. However, the game isn't played on paper, and that's been one of the big kind of uh, disappointing aspects of this LSU team is that they have not lived up to that billing just yet. And, Deke, you may be without your, uh, you may be without your Heisman hopeful. Today, you may be without your best player and Leonard Fournette. And yes, you have some, you know, you got some guys behind there Darius Geis, Daryl Williams. Uh, Nick Brissett's got some action at times. So yeah, you you have talented players behind him, but, but not like Leonard Fournette. And, and what does it do to a team going into conference play if they maybe don't have uh, their bell cow, their, their, you know, the heart and soul of that team available? Uh, something to keep an eye on. So, like I said, a couple weeks ago, this would have been a blowout, no contest. LSU's got it hands down. Now, because of how everything shifted and evolved, uh, it, it's 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 much more interesting. It's a game that seems much closer because I'm not sure 
if LSU has the ability to exploit Mississippi State's defenses. All right. As, weaknesses, excuse me. That's T. Bob Aber. I'm Deke Bellaby. As we roll to break, we will let you know that Fred Ross comes into the contest, leading all active SEC players with 138 uh, catches. And uh, the next closest is Reynolds out of A&M with 109. Mississippi State's defense in two games is allowing only 60 yards on the ground, which is number two in the conference and 12th nationally. They've only allowed one rushing touchdown. And Dan Mullen, when you think about this, this is pretty impressive. Mississippi State is one of five SEC teams that has been to a bowl every season this decade, joining Georgia, Alabama, LSU, and Texas A&M. It's Mississippi State at LSU, a 6.05 kickoff tonight. We'll continue breaking it down with the Bulldogs and the Tigers here on Tiger Radio, WWL. He is T-Bob Barrett. I'm Deke Bellavere taking a look. Mississippi State and LSU, the Tigers and the Bulldogs tonight, a 6.35 kickoff here on WWL Radio. Next week, LSU's game is an e- on ESPN, one of the family networks. It's a 5 o'clock kickoff on the Plains at Auburn as they renew their rivalry with the Tigers at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Our coverage will start next week here on WWL Radio at noon. We'll join the network at 3 and a 5.05 kickoff, LSU at Auburn. 260-1870. Is LSU a team that's improving or going in the wrong direction? Could be heading for trouble. You can vote online at WWL.com. And T-Bob, when we look at the Tigers, we go back and look. It wasn't anything earth-shattering that Danny Etling did. He made some uh, nice throws, some simple throws. And really after that, you know, it was kind of like, I don't know if you say loss or trying to get a feel for things in the second half, but it was that one spark, and certainly LSU needed it. But I I think, T-Bob, because Tiger fans have been craving for so long and the Mm -hmm. expectation level because of what's been put on the field has kind of been set low or it's not been what what they've expected. They've tempered. I think LSU fans have, without question, tempered their expectations for a a sound quarterback. They were just happy to get relief to see popping the step, pepping the step, so to speak, and see some small things, some, I guess you'd say, vanilla things happen. Now, today, we should get a better gauge on how good or not good Danny Edlin's going to be. Well, and look, and yes, this year especially, uh, LSU fans were even more thirsty because of, look, it, the quarterback play to the first two games was, or Brandon Harris's play to the first two games this season was exceptionally bad. And I use that word exceptionally intentionally because – I like I, I don't believe that to be a, a a an accurate barometer of like what Brandon Harris is capable of. I think he's just like like I mentioned. I think he is mentally broken down right now, and it led to even worse quarterback play than LSU fans are used to seeing. So here were the Tiger Nation. They're kind of stumbling through the desert, dude. They're clutching at their throat. They're parched. They're dying of thirst. And Danny Etling, he represented a bit of an oasis out of nowhere. There's a watering hole. So, oh, my God, the Tiger fans are ecstatic. They bend down. They're scooping up water. You're drinking it. You're chugging it. You're drinking it so fast. You think you're about to throw up. You're satiated. You're feeling good. You're feeling refreshed. You're feeling hydrated. But what happens when you look back up? There's more desert, right? There's desert all around. And that's what LSU fans, that's the point that they're kind of at right now is as – you know, as 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 good as they felt to to, to see that second quarter, the the six of eight start by Danny Ailing, throwing a touchdown to a tight end, uh, short short ball accuracy, like some of the things they've been desperate for. As exciting as that was, it remains to be seen whether or not he is the savior. If he, right. you know, if this is a large oasis, if you're out of the desert, or 
if there was just a brief respite well, from the environment. And like you said, T-Bop, he comes out six of eight, finishes zero for six. So now, people want to be now, interested to see how you know what what happens in this game. But if you go back and you pointed out, it, it wasn't a situation. And, and look, <laughs> we go by what the coaches say because obviously that's what you have to go by because LSU is not allowed. They don't allow anybody really to see anything other than the first few days in spring and the first few calisthenic type drills. In the, in the fall before Coach Miles, yeah, you don't get to see anything. So you go by, you know, all along we've we've been hearing, and it's been the same Coach Miles has, that Brandon Harris has been completing 65, 70% of his passes at practice and been looking good, looking good. That's not been the case. So now you put in the guy like Danny Etling, and by they said he had a very good week at practice last week. He comes in and gives him a spark. So I would think, T-Bob, that he has been taking the, the lion's share of the reps this week and, yeah. you know, could be ready. And I don't think that – Danny Etling is being painted out. I hear a lot of people say, well, if he couldn't start at Purdue or he's got the job taken there, look, you have to look at where Purdue was yes. and you have to look at where LSU is. Yeah. Someone's guy who doesn't win or loses their job at one school could be a perfect fit or a huge upgrade at another school. And right now, what we saw in his first eight throws, you would have to say, even though whatever happened at Purdue, that doesn't matter now because he is an upgrade for LSU. Yeah, yeah, currently, as things stand. Uh, absolutely. They, they don't have a choice. You have right. to go with Danny Etling. There's no game. way, T-Bob. They, if they put Brandon and, – and look, this isn't about Brandon Harris. If they put that young man in the game now, T-Bob, you talk about the, the mental psyche of yeah. him and goes out there and struggles – no, uh-uh. And it, look, it, 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 it'd be that'd be so unfair, unfair to him because it, it's going to be a, a shower of booze. And so I've been guilty of, um, I, I I've been guilty of you know using the line. Well, you lost your job at Purdue. You transferred. Like, uh, well, why is that reason for hope? Why are LSU fans viewing this as some uh, kind of potential lifeline? However, if th- there is a there is an opposite approach to viewing that Purdue situation. It was highlighted in an SB Nation. Uh, in an SB Nation article this week, which, of course, is written by fans of that particular program. So you, there was a Purdue fan writing about Danny Etling and writing that, he, you know, he's disappointed in how LSU fans are kind of judging Etling for his time at Purdue. When that was an offensive line, right. that was absolutely horrendous. The coach, John Shoup, ended up running through, I think, three quarterbacks and running them off. And when you look, there were some good games. He had a he had like a 380-yard, 4-TD, no-pick performance against Indiana. So there's there's reason for hope. But where it becomes interesting, Deke, is that if Danny Etling comes out here and dominates in a weird way, although it will alleviate some of the pressure uh, in some regards on, on Coach Miles, in other regards, it's going to heighten the scrutiny. It's going to heighten some of the uh, displeasure that LSU fans are seeing if Fettling comes out and play great for two reasons. They're going to say, well, first off, why wasn't this guy starting from the beginning? If he is this markedly better, if the team runs this much better, like it's such a stark contrast. I mean, that those were the conversations the media was having last week was it was such a stark contrast. How did this guy not win the game? The other or win the job. Now, the other interesting part, Deke, is if Etling does good, this will also reinforce that uh, you know the school of thought that one of LSU's biggest issues has been recruiting quarterbacks that don't necessarily fit this position. The old square peg round hole theory, where LSU wants to run pro style, but they recruit dual threat guys who want to run mainly. You know, who, so, so you're not maximizing their strengths. So, Tenny Etling represents this weird sort of uh, kind of boon and potential threat to Coach Miles all wrapped up in one. But the bottom line is Tiger fans just want competent quarterback play. They just want to see LSU win, and they want to see an offense 
that doesn't like watching LSU's offense, Deke, the most damning thing you could say about it is it's painful at times. It feels like 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 pulling teeth. It feels like having needles put under your fingernails at sometimes. Just 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 come on, just just have it be boring. Like not painful. If it could just be a boring offense, then uh, I think fans would be more pleased. Looking at the matchup here, T by one thing we talked about is LSU. They're trying to get find some some I guess you'd say some bond, some type of gel along the offensive line. And right side starting at tackle uh, was was Weathersby. Left side you had Clap and Tahima. And and t- one of those guys that they you know when you're looking at the right tackle is going to be faced up against the left defensive end for the uh, Mississippi State Bulldogs, and that's AJ Jefferson. He's currently t- first in the conference in tackles for a loss. He has three sacks. That's going to be interesting to see, T Bob, because when Etling does pass and LSU is forced to pass because Mississippi State in true to be form we know they're going to stack the box they've done this in the past against LSU they were going to do the same thing this week the last time they came to Tiger Stadium that's what they did when they had Preston Smith I don't know if A.J. Jefferson is a Preston Smith but he is that guy and it's going to be interesting to see how LSU can protect Danny Etling on that side Jefferson looks like the guy who's as solid as solid for them getting after the quarterback yeah and so that's uh that was one of my big questions to this week's game is how does LSU's offensive line who's the biggest question mark on this Tiger team uh, outside of quarterback uh, how do they stack up against I mean hands down Deke this is the best D-line that they've faced yet this is Mm -hmm. a this is a D-line two to three deep I mean you hear Bulldogs fans talk about it they'll tell you this is a line that's three deep it's definitely two deep with SEC sometimes even NFL caliber talent I mean Booger McFarlane uh, he, he, he was on the radio over in Baton Rouge earlier this week, Deke. Booger McFarland said he expects LSU's offensive line to get their ass kicked this week. And they haven't faced a test like that. Well, if so that's, that's the case, that's not good. Well, that's going to be critical because it all ties into one of the other big questions I have, which is can LSU exploit Wisconsin, or excuse me, Mississippi State's weaknesses? When you look at this Bulldog defense, the front seven is the strength. Yep. Very good D-line. Pretty good, strong uh, linebacking core. But when you get to the secondary, that's where the worries come into play. So you lost both starting corners to the NFL last year. You had two senior corners ready to roll who weren't great, but they were seniors. They were experienced. You, you were comfortable with them. Well, unfortunately for Bulldog fans, both those cornerbacks go down to camp. So now in your base, you're looking at your third and fourth corner. If you go to nickel and dime, you're reaching even deeper into the back. Teams have been able to pass it all over the field against State. Can LSU, though, that's the million-dollar question because they can stop the run. We bring in a columnist at WWO.com, Louisiana Network Sports Director Jeff Palermo. Jeff, we're sizing up the fronts for LSU's offense, their line in Mississippi State's D-line and ball on the ends. One of the strongest guys and tied for a career high last week, seven tackles, one for a loss last week, was JT Gray on one end side, and on the other side is A.J. Jefferson. These two ends, it's going to be interesting because a lot of people think that LSU's struggles on the offensive line may continue this week. Yeah, A.J. Jefferson, he's a pretty good player. Um, and yeah. it's going to be a good test here for LSU to see if they could uh, block this uh, front seven. And you're right, T-Bob, will LSU be able to uh, exploit uh, some of these young corners? Will, be able, will we see Danny Etling continue to have the opportunity to go through all the pro- progressions that he needs to go through and get the ball out to tight ends and running backs along with uh, wide receivers? You also need a big bounce-back game here for Malachi Dupree. Been way too quiet through the first uh, two weeks of the season, and they got to get him out of uh, his early slump that he's in uh, this season. So 
A lot of things to watch in this game. I think this is really an interesting matchup. I think it's a good game for LSU to to get into SEC play with. It's a, it's a winnable game, but yet Mississippi State is going to present some challenges to this Tigers team. And, Jeff, I was going to talk to you about that. When you're looking at LSU and Mississippi State in the, in the matchup here, uh, Mississippi State kind of comes in this one kind of quiet. I think they got, you know, tempered and humbled in that first week when they dominated South Alabama in the first half. They haven't given up one point in the first half in two games, but they lost that one, and that, that was one that kind of like, hey, we let this one get away. We had a chance to win on the end, but they know their season it, it hinges with LSU they had a great season a couple of years ago because that LSU game the one they could ever get over the hump they got over the hump and you're talking about today the, the lines in the situation I'm interested to see because T-Bob and I talked about how focused uh, Mississippi State will be and I think they're going to continue to stack the box like they've done in the past but this is a this is a chance too though Jeff when you look at it Mississippi State struggles on the back end but they feel if they can get a rush it, it may not even go to the back end the back end may not even have anything to do with this game from their secondary standpoint and if they can slow down lsu's running game of course that would be a huge advantage for the lsu tigers or for mississippi state as well if they can somehow uh, keep uh, leonard Fournette in check just similar to what wisconsin did make it a, a quiet 130 yards on the ground or something like that uh, for leonard Fournette. so uh, you know this offensive line has been uh, has been heavily, I don't know, it has been heavily analyzed for the LSU Tigers, and, and I think we get a much better idea of what what do we see in Week One? Was that just a unit that was still trying to gather some sort of uh, cohesion and, and play as a unit, uh, or uh, was that, uh, or are we looking at what isn't really a very strong offensive line? I think we get a much better idea of that here tonight, uh, facing a, this type of Mississippi State defense. Talking to Jeff Palermo, WWL.com columnist and uh, Louisiana Network Sports Director. I screwed that up. Louisiana Radio Network Sports Director. Jeff, uh, what is the status of Leonard Fournette? I'm kind of hearing uh, – I'm hearing things that are all over the place. I, I think he's uh, I think he's good to go. I, I don't know if he's necessarily 100%, uh, but I think he's going to play in this game. And, you know, Darius Guy showed that he's more than willing to get his fair share of carries yes. as well. So it's not like they have to go out there and really push Leonard Fournette or, or ride Leonard Fournette in this football game. Uh, they can put him out there on the first couple of series, see how he feels, see see if he's uh, able to have the explosion and, and the elusiveness and, and the power that he runs with. And if it's uh, not really working out for him, they can go quickly to Darius Geist, and that's a – that's a pretty good option, but uh, I think he's he, he's ready to go, and um, it'll be interesting to see you know how if Mississippi State can somehow slow him down and, and force LSU to throw the football. And now that uh, you know the state defense has a, a little bit of an idea of what Danny Etling brings to the table, um, you know how how can Danny Etling perform uh, because of that? Because I, I think he one of the things that was working for him last week was the fact that Jacksonville state probably, I'm sure they went back and looked at some tape from his days in Purdue, but still weren't probably really clear exactly what he would bring to the table. And I probably caught Jacksonville state off guard a little bit. And then uh, of course, in the second half, uh, there was really no passing game at all for the LSU Tigers. And uh, Jeff, when you look at last week's JSU game, uh, Eli Jenkins, one of the best dual threat quarterbacks in the country, had some success with the zone read. Now the Tigers got better at the as the game went on uh, in defending it, but 
I, I think it leads, I mean, we said at the time that it was going to be good to get that practice leading into this game and then the Auburn game next week. Uh, but at the time, we didn't necessarily know what you were going to get out of Nick Fitzgerald. We still don't fully know that, but he had a hell of a stat line last week. Where do you think this Dave Aranda defense is in terms of being prepared for that zone read? Well, obviously a little bit more prepared. Um, you know, one of the things that I like out of this defense so far, uh, I know they gave up the, the touchdown to Wisconsin uh, to begin the second half in the season opener, but LSU seems to be a, a team that's playing much better defensively in the second half than they are in the first half. And I, I think that a lot of that credit is uh, Dave Aranda making some different adjustments. I think it also goes to the fact that LSU is able to rotate so many guys along that defensive line, something they really haven't had or have not been capable of doing the last couple of years. Um, it, it's still, I, I'm still wondering about, you know, I no tackle and, um, you know, Trevante Valentine and, uh, you know, some of these other young defensive linemen, if Greg Gilmore and, you know, we saw some Frank Heron last week, uh, you know, just how good these guys are. I mean, Jacksonville State, if you if you watch that first half, they definitely got a push on LSU's defensive line, and they were able to get three, four, five yards at a pop. Uh, but as the game went on, I thought LSU got much better defensively. It gave up the big pass play, of course. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I like how this defense is, is – uh, is really starting to take shape. I, I think this is going to be, you know, really good defense. And uh, Nick Fitzgerald is, will face a much different type of defense here this week. And, and I think the same thing here. I think LSU has had an opportunity to really examine Fitzgerald. He did get the start against South Alabama, so South Carolina knew exactly what they were getting. But I think there's a little bit more as far as what's on the, uh, what's on the tape here for LSU to really analyze. Jeff Palermo is here with us. Follow Jeff, WWL.com, at Jeff Palermo, LRN, on uh, Twitter. Jeff, now uh, LSU and Mississippi State, uh, the odds makers think LSU is a big favorite in this one. How you see this one going down tonight in Death Valley, the Tigers and the Bulldogs? Yeah, I, I think it's going to be close. I'm not exactly sure what the last uh, line spread is. Is what, around 13, 14? Yeah, or between 13 like and 14, correct. Wow, I mean, that's, uh, you know, that, that surprises me a little bit. Uh, I mean, uh, nothing LSU has really done so much so far this season has has um, really wowed me at this point. Uh, I do think the defense is getting better, uh, but I, I still think this is a team, if Mississippi State is patient enough, I think they can still get some big plays on this LSU defense, and I think they can also have some uh, sustained drives as well. Uh, you go back two years ago, what Dak Prescott did, uh, they, a lot of it was time of possession. LSU barely had the football at all especially in that first half, and I'm sure that's what Dan Mullen's philosophy is and probably thinks they can do that again here in this game. So I think it's going to be um, – I don't think it's going to be a two-touchdown win for the Tigers, but I, I still see them winning by 10. they still got more talent here to the playing at home. Um, you know, maybe another big play from uh, Tredavious White or Dante Jackson or something like that. Uh, I, I anticipate a big play happening in the third, fourth quarter to either really uh, put LSU in control in this game and, and they come away with a – 10-point win, something, you know, 24-17, uh, somewhere in that vicinity to 27-17, something like that. Jeff Palermo, columnist at WWO.com and Louisiana Network Sports Director. Jeff, thank you so much for the time. We appreciate it. All right, guys, thanks. All right, and it's a final. Number 10, Louisville, 63. Number 2, Florida State, 
20. We will continue counting down to LSU and Mississippi State. He's T. Bob Bear. I'm Deke Bellavia, and this is WWL. Coming up before we check out, T. Bob Bear always gives you his keys to the game, the former Tiger, and his prediction. That's coming up at about 345 this afternoon. Going to 4 o'clock, and that's when we'll hand things off to the LSU Sports Network. 20th ranked LSU taking on Mississippi State, the SEC opener for the Tigers. State is 1-0 after a 27-14 victory over South Carolina last week. To the phones, it go to Will. Will, good afternoon. Thank you for calling WWL. Hey, guys. Uh, good show today. Just had a couple thoughts about the differences that I've seen between Harris and Edling. Oh, well, more yeah. just Harris lately. But, you know, you think about Harris, he has got to be one heck of a practice player because you think about two years ago when they were in a bind, they put him in against Auburn, and it was a big, huge mistake. And now this year, you know, he and Edling going head-to-head competing, and they put him out there, and, well, and you know, it hasn't, it hasn't worked out. So well, he's well, let's, do something in practice. Real quick, unbelievable. before he continued down this, let's look at two years ago, though. So, leading into that Auburn game, Harris had come in against Mississippi State when Dak Prescott was eviscerating LSU. Uh, he ended up bringing the Tigers all the way back to the point where they had a Hail Mary to potentially win the game. Uh, the next week, Anthony Jennings struggled mightily against New Mexico State, much like Brandon Harris did against Jacksonville State where Anthony Jennings was making inexplicably bad decisions. Brandon Harris came in and led LSU on six scoring drives in a row. So then he was kind of thrust into the starting role. They put him in against Auburn because they were kind of forced to. The problem was, and he'd be the first to tell you, he just wasn't ready. I mean, this was a guy who didn't even fully know uh, the playbook at, at the time. So I don't think practice had anything to do with him getting that starting role uh, two years ago. That was just a product of the times. Now, this year... I do believe you're on to something. I mean, this is the conversation and we were having up in the press box at halftime last week is if it was such a stark contrast, how in the hell was Brandon Harris winning this job in practice? And and I think the second half with that lean showed you a bit more why. That these two quarterbacks may be closer uh, than they appeared in that very at least in that second quarter of last week's game. Um, I appreciate that, but the other thing I saw last week, though, and, you know, it was pretty obvious, you know, when the cameras focused on Harris after he had been taken out, it was like he had lost his best friend, man. He wasn't part of the game. He yeah. wasn't on the sideline with the team. He was not part of the yeah. play calling. He didn't, he didn't bow up, Will. Yeah. He, man, I've never seen anybody pot like that in my life. Yeah, it, it, really, it really got the most of him. And, and I believe in a situation like that, Will, it's, it's like how do you react in like the first three or four minutes? Because in that, after that, it's kind of like it weighing on you, and you keep thinking, okay, should I, what should I? And then you just, before you know it, time flies. But, yeah, unlike when Anthony was pulled, to, to, you know, a couple years ago in the same situation, put on the headphones and, you know, kind of wore it well, you know he had to be going through the same difficult things. Then when Harris took over. But, no, it, it was an opportunity to where, from a leadership standpoint, you would have wanted Brandon Harris to kind of be there, talk to Etling, get him through, because then it permeates among the team in the team season you like, hey, you know, he is wanting to see us win because ultimately, if you're on a team, it's it, it's not an individual sport. Who, I mean, somebody else is in there and you're winning, you got to go with that, man. This Still individual. Though, I mean, but look, I don't think the team. I don't think it affects the team though. If Brandon no. Harris sits down and pouts, like uh, like you said, it's a team sport, and if someone's checked out, well, the team's going to continue. Uh, with or without him, look, I I I can empathize with Brandon uh-huh. Harris. I I've even been there. I mean, but to see a twenty-year-old uh, struggle this mightily on such a public stage, lose this kind of job on such a public stage, and then look, you see the 
the, the, the comments and the backlash that he has to deal with. Like, did Brandon Harris respond correctly? No, not at all. Yeah. But I can empathize with it. But more importantly, I can allow for him to be able to grow. A lot of people are using last week, using some of this Twitter drama from this week to just flat out say, like, this kid's a cancer, he's done this and that, and whatever. Look, I don't know Brandon Harris. Potentially there's truth there. But if I don't know him, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. And what I witness is a young kid going through a very tough situation who responded immaturely. That's to be expected at times. Well, Ideally, we'll you today. don't want that out of that quarterback. But, yeah, we'll see today. And yeah. we'll see going forward I, if he can mature I'm, out of this. And, and, and I, look, we can all grow. We can all learn. Yeah. Brent Harris I, can, too. I agree, I agree with all that. I got but one but he, he's a junior now, though. I mean, this is just, you know, the growing curve and learning and being a young man and all that. Sure, but his eligibility is running out. We're not talking about a sophomore or a freshman. We're talking about a junior. And he just dropped we'll the ball on this. Go ahead. We'll go ahead with I got one more question for you. If we lose today, it's less gone. Uh, no. I, I've heard rumors that this situation is tenuous enough where a bad loss uh, could, you know, would, would like force TAF's hands or something like that. Uh, but since it is only rumor at this point, I don't have anything more concrete. Yeah, I, I guess I'm with Deke in that. I'll, I'll just no. err on the side of but saying that. But I, I will, I will tell you this, though. If, if they were to lose today, I don't think they're going to lose today. But if they were to lose today and then you go to Auburn and lose, go ahead and roll the music, oh, Big Daddy. Yeah, don't sure, wait man. on me. Uh, it, it, then, then you're thinking, I'm, I'm thinking there's going to be an interim coach there on October the 1st yeah. when Missouri comes to town. But that's just my take. All right, this is uh, sports getting you down to uh, Sports Saturday, Tiger Tailgate, LSU, and Mississippi State tonight on WWL. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.